Oh, things are happening in the anime. Some of the episodes that recently aired in Japan are quite exciting and have the internet a bit of buzz being all like, this is the end, which is a bit dramatic, I think. I haven't seen the Pokemon Company announce anything official, and I feel like they would be all over that if they were planning on it being the end. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, stuff got wild, and it was fun, and I'm very proud of my boy. But even if the Pokemon Company, for some unexplainable reason, did decide to be done, I don't think plot and narrative reasons would be what's dictating that. Like, the events of these episodes, I don't think in any way mean the show has to end, if only because we've had this whole conversation before. Remember, Ash's goal is to be the very best like no one ever was, not be the best like the person who just was and I took this trophy from. So we'll see what happens in the show. But nonetheless, it was incredibly exciting and fun. And um, if you haven't seen those episodes airing in Japan yet, I'm sure it will not be long before they are airing in English or whatever language you, you watch your show in. And... I hope you enjoy them too. But here on Peak Happy Podcast, we chronicle Ash's adventures from the beginning all the way to this hypothetical end and to beyond to whenever the real end is, whenever Rika Matsumoto runs out of voice. And right now, we are in Advanced Generation, episode 67. And today's episode introduces one one of my favorite Pokemon in the anime, as far as side characters go. Truly, I get such a kick out of this. It is Go-Go Ludicolo. The kids are on the road, or rather, taking a lunch break while on the road to Petalburg City. May and Max are excited to see their parents and share all their adventures and accomplishments. Ash and Pikachu are excited for a future battle. I don't know what Brock's excited for. He kind of strikes me as a guy who's just kind of cool with whatever most of the time. Like, occasionally he has wants and needs that uh, conflict with the group or he's excited about some landmark along the road. Very touristy, that boy. But at the moment, his dreams are, like, achievable in a way that he can just kind of follow the other kids around. And if I'm not mistaken, he hasn't actually met Norman and Caroline yet. It's, it's possible he met them off camera, but I don't think he referenced meeting them when he showed up and Ash and May and Max had already left. So I'm not sure he has any particular attachment to Petalburg City. Unless it's like a stress memory of that time I was running around looking for Ash Ketchum and from city to city and couldn't catch up with him. Um, but it might be nice to meet May and Max's family and let someone else do the meal prep. I think we remember Caroline is a fairly good cook. 
Or on the other hand, he might not be looking forward to Petalburg City. He might be able to see the disaster coming. Because Ash is pretty confident in his team and has been hearing a lot about Norman's team's strength. Like, a lot, lot. Every episode. Ash is like, you guys remember I've battled him already, right? (laughs) But nonetheless, May and Max, especially Max, are confident that their dad can't lose. Ash is confident that he can't. Brock is confident that Ash hasn't yet decided what Pokemon he's going to use or made up a strategy for Norman. And I love the mom energy Brock is just radiating here. Like, have you done your homework? No. Think you should get on that? Yes. (laughs) Anyway, Ash brings out all his Pokemon so he can start making these strategy decisions. And so anyone who hasn't seen Trico since the evolution can catch up. Basically, just Corfish, who sees Groval doing the exact same posturing with the toothpick stick and is still like, Hey man, who are you? What are you doing here? Did you eat my buddy Trico? This is my space. Like, <laughs> Pikachu and Ash have to step in like, Corfish, this is Grovile. It evolved from Trico. Because, you know, Grovile isn't going to do anything to clear that up. It thrives on Corfish and Chaos. Everyone catches up with Grovile, and Ash thinks about who's the best fit for Norman's gym, that Vigoroth. It's a three-on-three battle, and Norman kind of schooled him last time, so he's got some tough choices. Max, of course, isn't going to give away secrets of what Pokemon Norman might use. Like, again, Ash knows the guy has a Vigoroth, because that's the one he's battled, and it stands likely that Norman is going to use that again. But his other two? A mystery, the only thing we really know is they're probably normal types. May's not sure what the other two would be either. Not that she doesn't know her dad's Pokemon, but the start of Advanced Generation implied that she wasn't so cool with Pokemon in general. She didn't like them, she wasn't thrilled about battling, and kind of implied that she didn't get to spend a ton of time with her dad because of that, like... Because his job as the gym leader is to battle, and she's not here for that, so... It's probably more that she's just not as well-versed in her dad's battle strategy and which Pokémon he's most likely to use against gym challengers, let alone what he's going to use against Ash. Either way, May's neutral about the upcoming gym challenge. Like, she wants to see her daddy win, of course, and thinks the world of him and his skill... But she's also Ash's friend and doesn't want him to lose. She wants him to succeed in his goals and go to the Pokemon League, which means they either have to beat Norman or truck their way across the region to find some other gym to fulfill the eight gym badge requirements. Technically, Hoenn does have more than eight gyms, so it's possible this doesn't have to end with Norman's loss for Ash to get in. But it's still a shame and an inconvenience. Besides, I think May's old enough to understand that Norman's job is not necessarily winning, but testing challengers. So sometimes he's going to lose a battle, and that doesn't necessarily mean he's less powerful or a bad trainer or his team is weak or whatever. Max doesn't seem to have grasped those nuances yet. He's appalled that May isn't ride or die, dad's gonna win. And I'm only rooting for him. Go jump in front of a bus, Ash, like there is no middle ground. (laughs) 
It's like when I watch the Olympics and people are like, so do you cheer for the Canadians or the Americans? Because I'm dual citizenship. And I'm like, I cheer for all the countries because they're all doing their best. <laughs> like, and they just stare blankly like that didn't compute. It's like, you have to pick a side. It's okay, Max. You can support both challengers. Anyway, I guess Taylor got bored of Ash's uh, conundrum and went off to find a snack, comes back with some orange fruit. It leads the whole gang to this tall, tall tree just dripping in fresh fruit. It looks delicious, but the tree is so tall, how are they going to get at that fruit? Ignoring that Taylor seemed to manage and is probably willing to help out, Corfish just barrels at the tree, jumps and grabs two pieces of fruit in its claws and unfortunately, squishes the fruit into orange juice. But while everyone's bemoaning Corfish's usual A for effort, F for finesse, let's observe that Corfish just leapt, like, ridiculously many times its own height. I mean, the kids were just, Oh man, that tree is so tall, how could we possibly get the food down? And Corfish just crouching tiger, hidden dragon, jumped up there like no one bats an eye. Is this normal for Corfish? It can't be. Meanwhile, Pikachu tries to climb the tree and runs out of stamina halfway up the trunk. Someone's in need of more cardio training, or at least needs to eat whatever Corfish is eating for breakfast. Corfish starts attacking the tree, like shooting the fruit into smithereens, then tackling the tree repeatedly. Talo's just chillin' like I could help if anyone asked. And all the humans are staring like, Corfish, please get a grip. Ash is like, I'm sorry, everybody, I don't know what to do with this one. <laughs> and Grovile decides to step in because anytime Grovile can needle Corfish a little, it will. Grovile jumps up and with its brand new leaf blades, hacks some fruit down from the tree. The perfect blend of power and delicate precision, Torkoal literally cries tears of joy at the sight. Corfish is murderous. But before it can do much complaining about cool Grovile, everybody loves Grovile, Team Rocket shows up and catches all the Pokemon in a net. Which would be a problem. I mean, Team Rocket prepared for both Pikachu's electricity and Corfish's claws, but they weren't ready for Grovile's evolution. So Grovile uses Leaf Blade, and all the Pokemon are freed. Then Grovile uses Bullet Seed to attack Team Rocket and uses Leaf Blade on their balloon to send them blasting off. So Grovile is the hero of the day! Everyone fawns over Grovile, like, melees it on super thick, like, Oh, it's the coolest! I wish it was mine! Corfish is even more irritated, jealous, and starts picking a fight. The other Pokémon try to calm it down, and the humans wonder if maybe Corfish is a little hangry. So they break for lunch, or rather, continue their lunch break. But just as everyone's about to dig in, a strange Pokémon comes out of the bushes. It looks like a pineapple wearing a sombrero, and is dancing to the sound of distant bongos. This is Ludicolo, the evolved form of Lombre. So we know what Brock has to look forward to. A few seconds later, Ludicolo's partner, a man in an actual sombrero, steps out of the bushes. He's the man playing the bongos, and the pair of them are looking for people to entertain. His name is Poncho. <laughs> <laughs>
I don't know if his is a nickname for Alfonso or Francisco, but who knows, because his Japanese name is also Poncho. Anyway, he and Ludicolo are a pair of traveling bards going from place to place and entertaining anyone they come across, like hippies in the 70s. And having a grand old time, it seems. Brock calls out Lombre so it can meet its future evolution, possibly, and the gang talks about how Lombre evolves via Waterstone into Ludicolo. And then Pancho challenges them to a battle over the sandwiches Brock made. Ah, he's speaking right to Ash's heart, you combined battles and food, his big true loves. If Ash wins, they get to go into town, and Pancho buys food for them. Ash is thrilled, and very confident. The rest of the gang less so. I mean, the food is on the line, buddy. Normally you're a powerhouse, but I just want to make sure you can win this, because Brock's sandwiches are really good. <laughs> Especially when it comes time for Ash to choose his Pokémon, because of course Groval wants to go which is not the worst choice to make. But the worst choice to make isn't going to stand for that. Corfish throws a fit, and Ash sees that it really wants to battle, and since Ash could not give a flying muck about things like type advantage, he goes along with this. He's less willing to go along with Pancho and Ludicolo's battle dance, but it's soon over and the battle can get underway. The battle doesn't start well for Corfish, Ludicolo dodges or protects against every one of Corfish's attacks. It's very frustrating. Ludicolo then uses double team, and Ash uses the strategy he usually goes with for Pikachu in these situations, which is fry everything until there's nothing left standing. Now that works for Pikachu, because Pikachu's attacks, like the Thunderbolt and like, can often hit a wide radius with multiple targets at once. At least via anime logic. I, I think in game logic, Thunder usually can hit multiple targets too. Um, and also, you know, because especially in earlier seasons, Pikachu's aim was kind of crap. And Ash and Pikachu both seemed to take the attitude of like, might as well just use that to our advantage. <laughs> this doesn't work nearly as well with Crabhammer though, because that attack can only hit one target at a time. And Corfish, I don't think, is as fast as Pikachu to begin with. So the poor guy wastes a bunch of time and energy knocking through illusion after illusion and giving Ludicolo time to set up a focus punch out of nowhere. Corfish isn't ready to give up, but none of its attacks can hit, and Ludicolo keeps landing focus punch. It's got Corfish on the ropes. Finally, Hyper Beam takes out Corfish. And that's it for the sandwiches. I'm beginning to see Poncho's real hustle, and you know, respect. May's great. She's like, well, Ash, not one of your best battles. <laughs> like, they all raise him like, you did this wrong, and that wrong, and that wrong. Luckily, Brock reminds them that uh, he does have more than just those sandwiches as food. Like, like, they prep for long journeys, so he can make more sandwiches, or more food in general. Still, Ash apologizes for letting them down. But as Brock says, they're not destitute here, so don't worry about it. Ash is still a little subdued after this, but Corfish is just beside itself and runs off into the woods. Ash finds this behavior weird, thinks Corfish has been acting a little weird in general lately. 
The gang postulates that Grovile has gotten to be really cool and win all the praise lately, and every time Corfish tries to show how good it is, it fails. And now, when it finally has a chance to battle, it lost. Which makes Ash feel bad, because he cares about Corfish's feelings, and knows the loss is more his fault than anyone's. Anyway, Corfish stormed off into the woods and stumbles across Ludicolo and Poncho. Poncho's feeling a little guilty over taking all the kids' sandwiches. It was just a fun wager. But when you take into account that he's a grown man taking food from actual children, like, now he feels bad. And he says he'll treat the kids to free food next time he sees them. But when Corfish arrives, it wants nothing to do with Poncho's easygoing attitude or the sandwiches or anything. It just wants to battle Ludicolo one more time, and it will rage until it gets its way. A tactic Team Rocket often uses, and yes, they're watching. They had their eyes on Ash's Pokémon earlier, but this Ludicolo beat Ash's Pokémon, so by logic, it must be powerful. And the boss surely has some uses for such a happy Pokémon. You know, I don't want Team Rocket to succeed in giving Pokémon to the boss, because that rarely works out well for the Pokémon. But I kind of want to see the alternate reality where Giovanni actually gets these Pokemon as presents and is expected to use them as he would in the boss fantasies, and how all that really goes down. It probably wouldn't be as funny as it is in my head because he's Giovanni, and we'd never get that far. But just the thought of a Ludicolo actually waking this man up with a happy dance is something. James actually brings this point up, like, what if the boss finds Ludicolo's dance annoying? And Meowth is just like, dancing brings joy, got it? Team Rocket throws a smoke bomb, which Poncho mistakes for a haze attack. He and Ludicolo run straight into a hole trap. So Team Rocket got them. They are soon netted up and airlifted away by the balloon. Corfish managed to not get taken, lucky. And Corfish may have been having a rough day earlier, but it's no slouch. It knows how to battle Team Rocket. It hits the gang with Bubble Beam, then climbs a tree and vaults off the branch to show those amazing jumping skills from earlier, like, seriously, Ash, you should get that checked, and manages to grab onto the net securing Ludicolo. It can't break the net, so it jumps up and crab hammers a hole in the balloon, which is very effective, gotta say. This fells the balloon, just in time for Ash to realize Team Rocket's back, and Poncho to wonder, what the actual heck? So Corfish and Ash reunite. Ash asks what's going on, which Poncho would also like to know. Team Rocket is not a normal occurrence for him. Team Rocket surfaces from the wreckage, like, yes, we were trying to steal Ludicolo! Everyone praises Corfish for its rescue. And now, Corfish can have a redemptive Pokémon battle. Ash has it battle Team Rocket, and he and Corfish are back in fighting sync. I mean, Corfish is taking on Cacnea and Saviper at the same time, like, it's doing great. Sends Team Rocket soundly blasting off, and then everyone can breathe a sigh of relief. The gang gets back to lunch. Brock decided to make stew instead of more sandwiches, but they invite Poncho, who's starting to feel really bad about getting all this food off the kids, but Brock laughs it off. They've got more than enough to share. Meanwhile, Corfish is praised and seems to have its mojo back. 
Poncho comments that every Pokemon can have a bad day. Corfish, meanwhile, goes over to Grovile, all proud, like, Senpai, notice me. And Groval's like, okay. Which in Groval speak is probably a ringing endorsement. Ash and Poncho do have a rematch, but this time Ash uses Torkoal. Because it's not just Corfish who needed battle redemption today, it's also Ash. After all, who was calling the attacks in that last battle against Corfish? Ash needs to train himself a little bit on how to focus, a bit on how to work with his Pokémon's various strengths and weaknesses. And so the episode ends with everyone happy, stuffed full of food, and growing in skills. Another episode that highlights, like, that only 30% of Ash's job as a trainer is teaching his Pokémon strong attacks, and the other, like, 70% is his Pokémon's emotional management, like, I really love Hoenn for bringing out this mediator and almost parental quality to Ash. As he's like, okay, well, train to be strong, but also, is everyone happy? Does everyone feel valued? Am I being patient and sensitive to everyone's needs? Like, It's a side of Ash that I really like and that he seems to show more to Pokemon than, than people. But again, I just really appreciate it. And it implies a sort of maturity that he's gotten over the course of his journey. And I also love, like, any episode that kind of highlights Ash having to train himself in a way, like what the trainer brings to the equation, beyond just yell attack Pokemon does it. Whatever new challenges that the series throws at him, like however high the bar is for him to feel like he's personally achieved his dream, it's clear in episodes like this that Ash is really good at this. Like, this is the kind of stuff that Misty saw in him way back in episode three when she first was like, okay, maybe this kid could actually do this. Like, he really loves Pokemon. He's got, he's got, uh, you know, that indescribable something, the je ne sais quoi, that, like, is going to make him a really great trainer, maybe even a Pokemon master. But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um... You can find us on the internet at all the podcasting apps, iTunes and the like, and also at peekhappypodcast.blogspot.com. Until next time, this has been Peek Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all.